podcasters have been listening for free for too long. You owe us something. Well, okay. Listen, a lot of you have said, hey, guys, I'd be willing to subscribe and pay X per week or per month for the podcast. You know why we don't charge? Because we're stupid. Because we're stupid. But anyway, why don't you think about what would you be willing to pay per month for the Armstrong and Getty show? And then instead of giving it to us, give it to Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. Donate it and help our uh, our warriors who are in their time of greatest need. you got this organization that is all volunteers, and they do fabulous, beautiful, beautiful work helping our guys. So just go to armstrongandgetty.com to donate. It's that simple. You come for the king, you best not miss, uh, because everyone now who's gone after Biden in a debate has essentially suffered this fate. Kirsten Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, Julian Castro, all of them now uh, essentially unable to topple the, uh, the guy who's been in the mix at the top the entire year. And it's a reminder that, uh, that you know, he does have a, a somewhat impenetrable uh, command of the field despite its size, despite the fact that it reflects the diversity and the changing nature of the Democratic Party. That's Ed O'Keefe of CBS News with a very dramatic Game of thrones If you come after the king, you better not miss. Uh, correction, that's actually a quote from The Wire. How about if you come after the king with a really stupid, stupid effort, like Julian Castro did? Oh, did you already forget what you said? You know, everybody thought, oh, you're a putz with that. Kamala Harris with her stupid, nobody likes busing. Why are you acting like busing is a good thing? Black but people Joe act- Biden is somehow a, a, an awful human being for not supporting busing? <laughs> so their their swings at the king were so pathetic. They forced forced school busing, I should say. They, Go ahead. They sorry. failed because they were pathetic. Not because yeah, that they was terrible swung. analysis. Not because and they're they, crappy candidates. Yeah, not because they swung at the king. They just, their random swinging was terrible all the way around. Yeah, because Joe Biden such an incredibly effective counterpuncher. Yeah. He's only he's barely aware that they're criticizing him. They're oh, talking about me? Oh man. Or would uh, you like to rub my leg hair down in the pool and watch it rise? So a couple of texts we got to clear up uh, some earlier conversations. We were talking about oh uh, Trump and Macron and Trudeau were getting into it. People with French sounding names for some reason he's battling. Um uh and 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 we were talking about France. Uh, somebody texted the famous Norman Schwarzkopf Hmm. General Norman Schwarzkopf. There you go. He was the general during the first Iraq war. Going to war without France is like going hunting without an accordion. That's a pretty funny quote uh, on how he, we have felt about France at various times. And then I was wondering, why did the whole Freedom Fries thing come about? And we got a bunch of texts. Oh, yeah, now I remember. France wouldn't let our planes fly through their airspace to refuel. Oh uh, my God! When the Iraq War started, so we had to go all the way around. Made it much more difficult. It was it was a stupid Frenchy gesture that accomplished nothing and was just annoying. When they, by the way, had been cheating on the sanctions they signed on to with Iraq, they had right. been cheating the entire time so they could get cheaper oil. I mean, that's just oh, inexcusable behavior. Yeah, French is bare. France rather is barely an ally. God, what an annoying country. Freaking EU. Freaking small portions of food. (laughs) Buttery, delicious. (laughs) Wine's pretty good. Oh, boy. I've told this story before. I've never been to France, but I I had this uh, friend from Italy, and I was visiting me in Italy, and he'd been every country in the world multiple times, but he'd never been to France. He hated the French so much. (laughs) He just... 
He had a deep. Him and all his Italian friends had this deep hatred of the French that I thought was just kind of funny. But oddly enough, I'm going to France this summer. Um, Joe, under protest, supporting the French. I know. I'm not. Wow. Uh, I'm a little ambivalent about it, frankly. Mm. But hey, speaking of French fries, we may be uh, facing a French fry shortage soon, as um, uh, cold and wet weather is devastating the potato harvest in the United States. We've got a long Jimmy Kimmel uh, joke about that. Do you want to hear it? Oh, or really? not? It's kind of yeah, long, but it kind of tells the whole story, which is interesting on its own. Sure. America is reportedly on the verge of a French fry shortage. For real, because of all the cold and wet weather this year, fewer potatoes are expected than any year since 2010, which is a crisis that could result in millions of Americans getting healthier, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> How can there be a shortage of potatoes? You get a 30-pound bag of them for like $6. I can build a house out of potatoes for less than it costs to buy a pair of VR goggles. But if it's true, this is dangerous because we can't have Donald Trump facing impeachment and a french fry shortage at the same time. There's no telling what he might do. But this really tells you all you need to know about how we eat in this country. The two hardest foods in America to get are french fries and the Popeye's chicken sandwich. God, I drove by a Popeye's last night. I almost went in for the chicken sandwich. You know, if uh, potato prices doubled, that would be going from free to just under free. (laughs) (laughs) Just over free. Potatoes are one of those items that you don't know what they cost. They're so cheap. Nobody keeps track. Well, right. And listen, as uh, a man of Irish heritage, obviously, I love the humble potato. But, uh, I mean, my God, the uh, actually, I don't, oddly enough. More of a gin guy, as as folks know. But um, the the baked potato, exquisite, especially with your, you know, variety of toppings. The French fry, spectacular. On the other hand, a person could go the rest of their lives, never eat another mouthful of potatoes, and it would be a good thing. It's tough to defend eating the potato. What's wrong with the potato? Oh, it's just it's nothing but carbs. It's mm-hmm. just it's not good for you. But you mentioned it's delicious, though. Well, oh, it's delicious as all. Uh, you didn't get even out. say the danged mashed, good mashed potatoes. Oh, oh, you know what? My mistake. Don't get between me and good mashed potatoes. Oh, I, you you I, like I, a little garlic in there, Jack, or just kind of whatever, straight up. As long as there's plenty of butter. I, I can't just stand idly by with this hash brown and tater tot oh, erasure. Hash browns. Oh. Oh, do I like hash browns. Oh, my God. I put ketchup on mine. Yeah, yeah check your baked potato privilege, Joe. My mistake. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed. Yeah, oh, mister, I'm going to France and I eat baked potatoes. <laughs> Get out of here! <laughs> you know, I, I almost never go with, with the hashed browns. I'm uh, You know, most restaurants, breakfast places will offer you either like the home fries. Mm-hmm. Uh, with chunks of potato with like onion and green pepper and stuff, a nice seasoning. I always go with that. But I like again, ma- I like mashed potatoes where sour cream is wh- is whipped into the mashed potatoes. You ever oh, do that? Yeah. God, oh yeah. Judy makes stuff. them like that. A little garlic in there, a little butter. I can eat five pounds oh, of that right now. Oh boy, that's exactly what you need. We were the whole family last night. We did our Christmas tree yesterday afternoon. It was Christmas tree day for the family. Oh, that's great. Oh, and we went to our usual place, and you ride a little uh, fake sleigh around because we don't actually have snow. And um. Uh, Drink hot apple cider when it's 50 degrees outside. And, um, and Ooh, cold. <laughs> yeah, we're all bundled up. And there's Christmas music playing everywhere, but it's a really charming place. And I get the saw, and the kids were going to try to cut down the tree this year for the first time ever. Yes. Which didn't last very long before they found it found it uh, tiring. And then so the, the old man's down on his knees cutting down the tree again, hoping he doesn't have a heart attack in front of the children, which would give him a terrible memory. I, I tell you what, number one on the list of things that are harder than they look, well, probably like uh, the, the vault in gymnastics. <laughs> That's probably much harder than it looks. But number two is sawing down a tree. 
it's way more time consuming and tiring than you imagine oh, yeah. as a kid. I had to stop several times and rest. Oh hell yeah! Sawing down this tree, and then you got to carry. You got to put it on the cart and carry it back. Is an axe not an option? Uh, no, I don't think they want people flinging axes around. The fact that they let a bunch of people walk around with saws in litigious United States is surprising to me enough, or the heart attack risks without signing any paperwork. Well, first of all, Sean, you want a nice uh, fl- flat bottom. Sure. So the axe is not uh, good That's for that. That's why I go but, to the gym. Uh, Jack knows this story because my kids are, uh, although Jack and I are virtually the same age, my kids are a great deal older. Um, I started young. He started later in life. Um <laughs> But you remember when we first started going to our favorite Christmas tree farm up in the mountains, I would bring my chainsaw and I would cut it down. We did that for a couple of years. Then year three, I, I show up with my chainsaw and they say, sorry, we, you can't use that. I said, what? What's going on? They said, liability. Our insurance company said they'd drop us if anybody used a chainsaw. Mm. And I hit them with the usual, look, it's my chainsaw. I'm a grown man. I've chosen to use. I brought it with me, for God's sake. That's a pretty good indication that I'm willingly using the chainsaw. But forget it. Right. No. Yeah. So I had to get there on my hands and knees using my muscles <clears throat> and lungs like a sucker. <laughs> so I chop down the tree. We get all that. We get it. Uh, I get it wrapped, shaken. And uh, and get a stand put on it. That's what I usually do. Get all the birds out. Is that what you shake it for? You know, I I always... Well, that's a good service, shaking it out for you. I thought you shook it to get the loose needles out. That's the reason I've paid the extra for it in the past. We had some friends we ran into it there, and they said they didn't get their shaking last year, and there were spiders everywhere. Right. Ah! Yep. 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 Ah, yeah, ah, is right. <laughs> yes, the, the tree is an ecosystem. Yeah, I didn't need the spiders. But uh, 90 bucks by the end of the thing, and it's like a, it's oh. not, a, not a huge tree either. Oh, man. But I guess you're paying for the whole experience, which is uh, charming, and the kids like it. You know, that's a good point. It's uh, giving them wonderful memories. Yeah. Uh, oh, although, yeah. Oh, yeah. I tell you what, when our, uh, when our youngest got to a grown-up age, we went right for the big artificial tree. Yeah, Hanson does the <clears> artificial <throat> tree, which I'm surprised by. With his little kids? Yeah. Bad parenting. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but th- actually, the reason I brought this up was after we did the Christmas tree thing, it was getting kind of late, it was getting dark, we were thinking, you know, geez, we got to get the tree home, get it in the house, getting kind of late to do dinner and homework and bedtime and everything like that. How about and, and my wife suggested cattlemen's, which I don't know if those are all yes. over the country, but that, that's that's my kind of yes. place right there, where they bring you out an endless pot of baked beans to start the oh, whole thing off, yeah. you know, and just steaks and bread and potatoes and beans, and that's a meal right there. That's people eating serious eating. We're taking Boy, this seriously. Boy, how many uh, how many cows go to see Jesus every day? Thanks to Cattlemen's, they're enormous restaurants. They serve up hundreds and hundreds of steaks every day. And my son's only food he'll eat is what he calls the black meat. So he uh, got a steak, and oh, yeah, everything was fantastic. The black meat. The black meat. He calls it black meat. He calls steak black meat for some reason. Wow, that's, that's interesting. And that's all he'll eat. It's not like uh, orca meat, the and, black fish. And then we ordered desserts. Why? I don't know. And then the, oh. wa- the waitress, who was very nice, gave extras to my kids, which it thanks, I guess. Not exactly sure they needed an extra scoop of ice cream and a bigger brownie. And oh, we, boy. What's the goal yeah. here? Right. The, w- one thing we don't need, none of us need, is bigger portions as like a gift. It's, that's, that's not a gift. Yes, you're right. Yeah, what, 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 what yeah, I, I get the gesture, and it's sweet. It was all nice. It was all well-intentioned, but it was the last thing anybody needed. 
Yeah, speaking of the last thing anybody needed, um, we've received a request via email from a beloved listener who is prepared to make a substantial donation to Warrior Foundation Freedom Station, but they want something in return. Uh, no, but, it, I, but I need something else, though. It's it it's what? Isn't that it, the it, phrase from uh, Donald Trump when you're oh, making yeah, this sort yeah. of deal? Yeah, I, I need you some... to do me a favor. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's really against my better judgment, but I think we'll probably do it when we come back. It, it It's a terrible idea. Well, this idea. isn't like you and me showing up at their house or something, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's, it's something that will happen on the air. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Well, yeah. Do yeah. a live show from their house. Practically do no, anything no. to help out Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. We should do a total when we come back and an and update on where we are. Oh, Jonathan Turley's on now talking about the Constitution and impeachment there at the hearings. We might have to dip into a little of that. Yeah, I would like to hear that because he's brilliant and thought-provoking. But this entire exercise is such a waste of time. I was looking at the new poll numbers. Please. Absolutely nothing. All of them. Okay. Okay. Um, virtual, there is no movement. Everything that's happened, the only movement has been away from impeachment. It's just it's such a waste of time. Yeah, we've got some of Jonathan Turley's opening statement, and it is worth hearing, uh, definitely. On the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Who is Jonathan Turley? Where he is a law professor at George Washington University, and uh, he is one of the law professors who's speaking today uh, in the whatever you want to call these impeachment hearings thing in day one of the Judiciary Committee version of this. Um, and he's the only one who's arguing on Trump's side. It's worth mentioning. I don't know if if in this clip we're about to play you, uh, Jonathan Turley mentions he is a lifelong Democrat, which he is. Um, uh, he's he's not a Trump guy, <laughs> but he has these feelings about impeachment and where we are. The other professors argued on why this is clearly an impeachable action and we need to boot him out and blah, blah, blah. But here's Jonathan Turley just moments ago. We are living in the very period described by Alexander Hamilton, a period of agitated passions. I get it. You're mad. The president's mad. My Republican friends are mad. My Democratic friends are mad. My wife is mad. My kids are mad. Even my dog seems mad. And Luna's a golden doodle, and and they don't get mad. So. We're all mad. Where has that taken us? Will a slipshod impeachment make us less mad? Will it only invite an invitation for the madness to follow every future administration? That is why this is wrong. It's not wrong because President Trump is right. His call was anything but perfect. It's not wrong because the House has no legitimate reason to investigate the Ukrainian controversy. It's not wrong because we're in an election year. There is no good time for an impeachment. No, it's wrong because this is not how you impeach an American president. This case is not a case of the unknowable. It's a case of the peripheral. We have a record of conflicts 
defenses that have not been fully considered, unsubpoenaed witness with material evidence. To impeach a president on this record would expose every future president to the same type of inchoate impeachment. Principle often takes us to a place we would prefer not to be. That was the place seven Republicans found themselves in the Johnson trial, when they saved a president from acquittal that they despised. For generations, they've been celebrated as profiles of courage. Senator Edmund Ross said it was like looking down into his open grave. And then he jumped because he didn't have any alternative. It's easy to celebrate those people from the distance of time and circumstance in an age of rage. It's appealing to listen to those saying, forget the definitions of crimes, just do it. Like this is some impulse by Nike sneaker. You can certainly do that. You can declare the definitions of crimes alleged are immaterial and just an exercise of politics, not the law. However, those legal definitions and standards, which I've addressed in my testimony, are the very thing that divide rage from reason. This all brings up to me, and I will conclude with this, of a scene from A Man for All Seasons by, with Sir Thomas More when his son-in-law, William Roper, put the law, suggested that More was putting the law ahead of morality. He said Moore would give the devil the benefit of the law. When Moore asks Roper, would he instead cut a great road through the law to get after the devil? Roper proudly declares, yes. I'd cut down every law of England to do that. Moore responds, and when the last law is cut down and the devil turned around on you, where would you hide, Roper, all the laws being flat? He said, this country is planted thick with laws from coast to coast, man's laws, not God's. And if you cut them down and you're just the man to do it, do you really think you could stand upright in the winds that would blow then? That's Jonathan Turley making a pretty powerful argument. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays on cable news today. Boy, that's some really good stuff. Boy, uh, and and, and uh, eloquent. More coming up. We have forgotten the common article of faith that binds each of us to each other in our Constitution. However, before we cut down the trees so carefully planted by the framers, I hope you will consider what you will do when the wind blows again, perhaps for a Democratic president. Where will you stand then when all the laws being flat? Jonathan Turley, moments ago, he's the lone law professor speaking on Trump's side, even though he is a lifelong Democrat, and uh, we aired more of it earlier, and it was uh, it was pretty eloquent and well-written, and I'll be interested to see how it plays on cable news today. I thought the most homespun part of it was among the most uh, effective parts of it, where he was talking about how everybody is freaking angry all the time, and that these are precisely the impassioned times that Alexander Hamilton was warning us against, to overuse impeachment. Um, I thought that was that was really good and effective, and you know what? His point of view will win the day, as there is absolutely nothing in any of the polls to indicate this is going to go through. 
you know, the president's going to get booted. And the thing he said about it being uh, peripheral, and he used the word inchoate, which means not fully formed, kind of rudimentary. He was talking about the fact that they're not even subpoenaing Rudy or or Bolton or Mulvaney. I mean, they're just not even trying. So what are we doing? Yeah, a little summary here is uh, he's concerned about lowering impeachment standards to fit a paucity of evidence and an abundance of anger. Right, right. Pretty good. Now, coming up, um, I mentioned a, a probable error in judgment to raise money for Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. Need to squeeze that in. As well, stay tuned. Right right now, let's get the news with Marsha Phillips. Across the pond, President Trump's feuding with Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau and French President Macron continues as leaders are there to mark the 70th anniversary of NATO. Trump describing Canadian, uh, the Canadian Trudeau as two-faced and French President Macron as nasty. How come no body size uh, shots? They're both tiny men. I thought he would go there. That's usually his thing. Uh, suggesting that they're effeminate, pretty boys, if you will. Right. Trump has also just held an exclusive lunch only for those NATO members who spend the most on defense. And he has canceled a news conference meant for the end of the summit. Right. So CBS was uh, reporting earlier that Trump was canceling the rest of his day because he wanted this hearing to get more attention. My guess is somebody got Turley's speech to the Trump people, and they said, we don't want to mess this up. We want as many people to catch this as possible. Mm. Yeah, it could be. The president's anger uh, after a video of a NATO reception where a hot mic appeared to catch three world leaders gossiping about President Trump. That would be Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau. Minor. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Major. Bystander. Bystander, but major. And French President Macron. They're seen talking. They're seen French. Talk- Frenchman. <laughs> They're seen talking informally when uh, Trump is brought up. Now, it is really... blue, hand me a croissant. It is really tough to hear. But Boris Johnson is asking why Macron got to his meeting with Prince Charles late. So Trudeau uh, jumps in and says, well, because he takes a 40-minute press conference off the top, referring to the extended acrimonious 40 minutes presser with Trump or between Trump and Macron. So you're angry that the President of the United States answered a whole bunch of questions from different reporters? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So whatever. Anyway, the back and forth does continue. Go back to being a former world power that doesn't really... uh, What what did uh, Rumsfeld once call them? Old Europe or whatever? Right. Snipey little biatches. That's what I call them. (laughs) If you you started history from now and didn't know the backstory on some of these countries, they wouldn't get near the attention they do. Yeah, well said. All right, and we do have now Elon Musk. Elon Musk back in the news saying he didn't mean for people to take it literally when he called a British cave explorer a pedo guy. The CEO of SpaceX and Tesla testified in a defamation lawsuit filed by Vernon Unsworth who helped rescue a dozen boys trapped in a Thai cave in 2018. At the time, Musk had a miniature submarine built to rescue the children, but it was never used. Unsworth said the sub had no chance of working and Musk could go ahead and stick it where it hurts. Well, that made Musk angry, and he tweeted out calling Unsworth the pedo. Musk has now testified that Unsworth's comments were an unprovoked attack on a good-natured effort to try and help the kids, so he insulted him back. Musk saying, quote, I knew he didn't literally mean to sodomize me with a submarine, just as I didn't literally mean he was a pedophile. (laughs) 
Can we settle this, fellas, and move on with our lives? I thought that was a pretty good response. It was, <laughs> Unless yeah. you believe he was actually trying to shove my submarine up me, <laughs> why would you believe I actually meant what I said? Yeah. Anyway, that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Although, you know, stick it is kind of a common expression. You're a pedophile, is not. (laughs) Uh, The counselor with an excellent point. I'll I'll grant you that. All right, so we got this this note from uh, beloved listener uh, Jimmy Jack. Uh, at least that's how he signs off his email. Um, And uh, a frequent correspondent, and I know he's good for it. He has said he will donate a substantial amount to Warrior Foundation Freedom Station if. And it goes against my better judgment to 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 indulge this sort of thing. On the other hand, You're a it's dancing a dancing monkey. It's a fair amount of money. That's a good cause. And I tell Chee-chee. you what, Jimmy, Jimmy Jack. Um, oddly enough, monkeys uh, factor into what's about to happen. Um, Jimmy Jack, you raise it. By what would that be? Twenty percent. Okay, I know you. I know you're good for it. Raise it by twenty percent, and we have a deal. Oh wow! <clears throat> um, so I, I think he will probably do it. What kind of dance and um, monkey act are we going to have to do? Well, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> and I'm not going to mention the amount because for some people, twenty bucks is a hell of a lot of money. For other people, twenty thousand is something they would never think of again. Sure. You know, um, but he says, I will donate this amount to Warrior Foundation Freedom Station if and Michael, are we ready with the music? Yep. If Michael Jackson sings Jingle Bells to me during the time I can listen, which is now, Michael, if you'd be so kind to stick you it up. Uh, dancing Bob, Bob. I thought it starts with jingle bells. <laughs> bells on bobtails ring. Woo-hoo. Uh, jingle bells. Jingle bells. Oh, this is the other part. Tito, give me my lyric sheet. Where's my... I, need, I wish I was in my giving tree. Jingle bells. Jingle, has got the lyrics. Jingle the way. Oh, what fun. It is to ride. Horse sleigh. This horse... I don't remember does who not being in the original lyrics. <laughs> This horse does not smell good. He doesn't smell as bad as bubbles after one of his feces throwing incidents. Because sometimes he gets in in his own feet, his own fur. The dancing old dancing jingle bells. Thank you, Michael. Jacko there. Michael Jackson singing. Singing Jingle Bells. For Warrior Foundation, <laughs> Freedom Station, Jimmy Jack, don't let me oh, down, brother. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> you don't hear that everywhere. Oh. Armstrong and Getty. Most streamed songs of the 2010s. I don't know if that's fair, though, because streaming, I didn't start streaming halfway through that, maybe. Prior to that, I think I still bought them. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't actually remember. Probably. 
Mm. Uh, got that coming up in a little bit. Well, we ought to do an update on where we are with um, uh, Warrior Foundation Freedom Station as we're trying to raise a half a million dollars this week, which is really, and I'm not trying to pat our audience on the back, but I don't know if you follow fundraisers that other radio stations, TV stations do around the country, even people with a much bigger footprint than us. They don't raise, you know, I, I hear people regularly raise twenty five, fifty, seventy five, a hundred thousand dollars, and it's you know they make a big deal out of it, which and is nice. Depending it's on fine. the cause, it's fabulous. Yeah, right? it's absolutely fabulous. It's good, but we're we're hoping for a half a million dollars out of our audience this week, and we ought to check in and see where we are currently with the drum roll. One hundred sixty nine thousand. Oh my gosh! Wow, we're getting there. We are getting there. I tell you what, fags are a different sort of people. Friends of Armstrong and Getty. It's an odd little culture. I don't know if I could even describe it, but y'all know that we all kind of have something in common. It's a way of looking at the world. And, and, you know, one of the ways it manifests itself, I think, is that the peeps understand that we Americans are all in this together. The government is not the country. The people we're the United States of America. And so when our service people, we send them overseas, we send them to, you know, defend our allies, whatever, and they come home banged up and, and PTSD, traumatic brain injury, whatever, and they need help. I think the folks who listen to this show understand that's us. That's when we step in. Yeah, I got some comments on that in a second because I, I, I listened to a really interesting podcast about that. But I wanted to point out that Bernie's Flem donated $27. Oh, boy. Bernie's Flem, thank you very much. Also, Andrew, Andrew Yang in with 20. I don't know if that's actually one. Uh, technically, Andrew Yang in with 2020. I believe that's uh, some oh, sort of campaign messaging gotcha. going in the form of a donation. Oh, wait a minute. Snuck that by. Scott's tornado machine for people who have been listening to the Armstrong and Getty show it, for it was 20 actually years. A, a hurricane simulator. <laughs> but it's 100 bucks. That's when you have. Had your uh, a producer drive through a car wash yeah. on the back of a truck or yeah, something to give like an, that? give an idea of what it would be like to be in a hurricane. It might have been when Katrina went through, actually. We also have a last-minute Halloween costume chipping <laughs> in with 50 bucks. <laughs> One of our and, worst, uh, worst interview ever. Yeah. From the Harvard Goldhammer Department, I believe we have another uh, contribution from Ubaldo Sleevewacker. <laughs> $50 from Ubaldo. Wow, I, that might be kind of a fun subcategory of fake donor names, and it it costs you twenty bucks to get in. Uh, the manliest name you can come up with. <laughs> Matt, the breast milk soap guy, donated fifty dollars. You remember him? Yeah, I do. He Shout out, man. Soap out. <laughs> Jack's giraffe is in for twenty bucks. <laughs> hey, how about that? <laughs> Turley's integrity for fifty dollars. Nice, yeah, nice. I love Jonathan ideas. Turley. Yeah, that was good stuff. Um, on what you were just talking about, so I listened to this podcast yesterday. I don't know if I'm smart enough to understand it and then uh, repeat it to y'all. But it was about where we are as a country and uh, and, and how um, split we are feeding off of this idea. They went through the numbers for, and we've done this before, went through the numbers for bowling leagues, Kiwanis Club, Rotary Club, uh, VFW membership, all these different groups that used to have, that used to be every town in America, the, the, the men in that town were in the Kiwanis Club, a whole bunch of them. Right. Or, 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 or Rotary or whatever. And you were absolutely in some civic club. Yeah. It was just, it was very, very common. And the, the numbers are staggering, like 80% drop in the last 30 years and all this different stuff. And this theory that we used to group ourselves together in, uh, in, 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 in organizations that did good. 
we don't do that anymore. We're not we're not self grouping. We still feel like good needs to be done, and so it's instead of bubbling up from bottom to top, it's coming from top down. And leaders are dividing us on; they're choosing to divide us. Here's the group you're in: you're in the gay group, you're in the white group, you're in the black group, you're in the Hispanic group, you're in the female group, you're in the rural group, you're in the urban group. We've put you in the groups. We've decided what groups you are, and here's what you should be mad about, and here's how you know we're going to claim you should fix it. As opposed to the bottom up, we join groups on our own that did good locally, you could see the results, right? and you had some effect on it, and you had some effect on what you chose. But since we're not choosing to get into groups on our own and do good on our own, the pe- and, we, and we have a natural human desire to be in a group and do good, uh, the people at the top are separating us. Right, and I think one of the maybe unintentional but absolutely wonderful side effects of the way it used to be was that you would be doing these good works for children or the handicapped or the blind or your local little league or or what have you, the parks. You would be doing those good works with a, a Democrat and a black guy and a Hispanic family and some gay people and whatever. You'd all be coming together to do these things. And so the effort to like turn you against each other would be ridiculous. It'd be a non-starter. You're not going to turn me against my neighbor just because they look slightly different than me. And the idea that the so-called progressives and, and, and seekers of racial justice would be the prime movers in trying to turn us against each other is a truly bitter irony. I thought that was pretty interesting. I, I would, yeah, yeah, hit me with that link. I'd love to listen to that. Yeah, I think it was uh, Jonah Goldberg's The Remnant podcast, which I okay. listen to a fair amount, although it's uh, it gets pretty pointy-headed sometimes, but and I'm I'm just not smart enough. But um uh, I thought I thought that was interesting. We we are going to get into groups and try to make our lives better. That's the way where our brains are designed. And if we don't figure that out on our own from the bottom up, it's going to happen to us from the top down. Yeah. You know, we've talked about this a a lot through the years. Uh, It's kind of a a similar principle that the the amount of of life, the amount of things we deal with as, as human beings in the United States that we used to deal with ourselves and with our friends and our neighbors and families, um, whether it be a disagreement with a neighbor or the need, you know, for a little league field or just it, there are a hundred different examples. It was always about we'll do it. We got this. We'll do it for ourselves. And if at the, you know, at the, at some point we realize, oh, for whatever reason, we need the government's help to step in. That was, if not the last resort, it was kind of a later resort. Um, and Absolutely. now we are a government first people. And we, we ha- expect not just the government, but the federal government, which is absurd. The federal government to step in and solve the most mundane and local of problems. Well, and beyond it being the federal government, the freaking president. Right. Republicans and Democrats <clears throat> think the single human being that is president is going to fix my particular problems, which is insane. Well, well, right. Yeah. I mean, it's well, it is. It's literally insane because it's stupid that you've you've picked the single least responsive, least reachable, least capable of dealing with your little micro problem human being on Earth. But it's just that that's why the founding fathers went to this incredible amount of time and trouble to design a system where we couldn't give ourselves a king, even if we wanted to, because they understood the human impulse because we're simple beasts. Um, I know I am the 
human impulse is to want the simplest solution, something we can understand without effort, and that is a, a godlike king. But that always leads in the same direction, to the same place, which is oppression. And, and it, just, it bothers me to, to see my friends and neighbors joining in willingly in this trend. Well, and it'd be nice if, if I thought, you know, this will run its course. We'll realize that who's president isn't the most important thing in my life and the way to fix things at the local level, the things you were talking about, whether or not I have a softball field or, you know, what the teachers are like in my school or that sort of thing, the roads in my own town. Um, but I don't, I, I don't think that's what's happening, at least not so far. We're just getting angrier and angrier and more divided and more convinced that it's those bastards on the other side that are stopping all the good things from happening. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. That's why I absolutely love the Jonathan Turley speech at the hearing this morning. I wonder if, uh, during the next hour, if you're blessed enough. Blessed. By Surely blessed. God in this country to get the uh, fourth hour of the show. You can listen to it. Otherwise, grab the podcast. I would love to hear more of that uh, Turley testimony, if we can get to that. Oh, you know, it's funny. I was uh, I was hoping we could get to this today. I'm not sure we will, but um, uh, America's test scores, the, you know, the youngsters, can they read, can they do math, mm. et cetera, after billions and billions of dollars being spent and various uh, programs from Leave No Child Behind to Common Core and others, uh, we're actually doing worse among the people that we wanted the most to help. And at best, we're flat. It doesn't seem to be doing much good, or, or perhaps you'd argue it's just holding the tide against the incoming disaster. But anyway... Uh, I'm looking at this piece in the New York Times, and one of the first, uh, what's wrong? What can we do about it? Of course, one of the first voices they go to is this uh, this Harvard guy who says, you know, the problem is that we lack a centralized system. Right, there you go. For teacher training and curriculum. We need a national centralized sure. system out of D.C. Of course. To impose what is good and decent on all the poor ignoramuses across the fruited plain. That sort of thinking just makes me nuts. I hope it never wins. Yeah, well, it's winning, but you know, I'm stubborn enough, a son of a gun, that I'll just keep griping about it till the day I'm dead. But it's it's the wrong path, my friends. Uh, much more on the way. How bad a guy was Duncan Hunter? Speaking of putting your faith in politicians, <laughs> among other things, on the way.